Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Ruler podcast. The 2018 OVO Tour of Britain has seen riders cheered on by record crowds, further proof, if it was needed, of the popularity of bike racing in the UK. Later, we'll hear from Pippa York, who won the race nearly 30 years ago in its previous incarnation as the Kellogg's Tour, and from Larry Warbass, who was all set to ride this year until his team folded around him. Brian Holm, currently in the Quickstep team car on the Tour of Britain, gives us his thoughts on the changes in riders' diets. And there's more food advice when Belgian legend Kenny van Flamink makes a, I think I'm contractually obliged to say, welcome return. First though, this year's Tour of Britain has seen some impressive performances from debutante riders, not least rising young GB star Ethan Hayter. But for others, this is familiar ground. Mark McNally of Wanty Group Gobert is on his 10th Tour of Britain. Rulers Ian Cleverly caught up with him. I started out at the tender age of 20, I would have been, 21, 20. Now 29, so uh, I've... Uh, Matured as the race is mature. <laughs> I was going to say, how have you seen the race changed in that time? Because that that first edition you've done must have been a very, very different sort of Britain. Yeah, you, you can see with the fans. The, the first few years, there was less people stood in the middle of the road when you're riding along at 60k an hour. But it's, uh, it's nice to see the people. But the uh, I don't think they grasp how fast we're going sometimes. But it's the popularity. I, I was saying, I was talking to our bus driver's friends, and I was saying to him yesterday. The, uh, I started on my bike when I was 11 and you didn't see anyone out on the bikes. No one knew what cycling was and now it's like, uh, the, well, it's just mad how many people, you know, stood inside the road all day. Most races you can sort of stop for a nature break or take a nature break on the bike, but sort of Britain you've always got to take care that you're not taking a nature break while three people have got the cameras pointing at you, like, you know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's a nice problem to have. Of the 10 you've done, what was the highlight? I mean, you got the mountains jersey in 2014, which must have been pretty top. It started in Liverpool that year, and I took the jersey on the first day. And all my family was there, my missus was there, and it was, uh, that was a really nice, that was one of them experiences, you remember all your career, but uh, my second year, I got fifth on the stage. That was my best stage result as well. I there two of my highlights. Last year, I took the, uh, the sprint jersey, but I took it with like a day to go and the know it, it wasn't the same as the year I took the Mountains Jersey but the, yeah, the Mountains Jersey and then the, the stage on Constitution Hill in 2010 it would have been I think. 
the fact it's your tenth edition. I mean, you're still a young man. You got you, you you could put this record out of sight. I reckon at this rate, a few years to go. Huh? I don't know. Take a, take every day as it comes. <laughs> Hopefully, um, your baby's going to hold on till the race is finished, and then you, and then you've uh, you've got that to, 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 yeah. to come home to. Congratulations. I, I want I wanted to stay at home because we got some Belgian races, but we missed it. So it's like, no, you have to go to Tour of Britain, eh? <laughs> Which was very. Is, is she Welsh? No, she's Belgian. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's joking. Oh yeah, no, yeah, she's well. No, but uh, no, she's at home supporting. So uh, exciting time. A lot of changes, like I say. I started out as a, a twenty-year-old kid with no care in the world, and now uh, got a kid on the way and a wife. Good luck with the rest of the race. Nice one. Pippa York won the Tour of Britain in 1989 when she was known as Robert Miller. And it was the Kellogg's Tour. Well, now it's called the Ovo Energy Tour of Britain. I think that's probably the only difference. It's a little bit bigger, a little bit more important, but um, you know the level of competition is probably the same. When I rode, um, you know, Sean Kelly was there, so he was world number one. So you know, so the level's quite high. Crowds bigger. The crowds are bigger, and that's due to the, the whole process that Sweet Spot have put into um, place, which they call activation, which is going around schools and councils and saying what you're going to do you're coming past and um, yeah and you can see at the side of the road really big crowds really big um, nice big village at the starts and finishes so really good that activation process that you talk about uh, it sounds like um, uh... it sounds like it sounds like media speak but it's not it's, it makes sense it's just they've, they've called it that but it's you know it's going out and um, making sure there's this promotion of the race and getting local people involved in little kids involved so it's all about increasing the participation in the sport and that's that's their aim and that's the kind of aim of the, the sponsors they've got involved in the race. These guys are actually out there all year talking to the local authorities and schools and, and making sure that the whole the whole thing becomes a kind of a legacy for want of a better word. I thought you were gonna say circus then. But it, you know, <laughs> it becomes in the same way that you know when you have European races is a kind of village fair atmosphere and that's what they've developed here. They've you know they've they've went out and actively sought out to get more people involved and, and more people watching the race come past. So it makes sense in a kind of marketing sense and a promotion sense and for um, you know there could be the next champion standard that's either around. It could be you know if it's the women's tour or it's the men's tour of Britain, you know one of, the, one of those children or young people could be uh, inspired as they see the race go past and um, get involved. Basically what we're doing for the magazine, which you've been part of today, is uh, getting former national champions with uh, posing with their jerseys. Uh, you brought yours along and your medal. Nobody else had their medal with them. That's, that's just like showing off, really. I don't know if it's showing off. I think it says a lot about <laughs> my character that I kept it um, with it. I don't. So I won three national championships, two amateurs and a pro one. So I brought the pro one along, and I was the last winner when it was still pro, so it didn't became elite the next year. So yeah, I got a little bit of OCD with you know collecting things and keeping my medals. Good for you. Well, you know, I, I, most 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 people do. It's just a matter of tracking them down. We've had some people having to root around in their lofts for quite a while. I mean, where, where was yours? Mine was in the loft in the jersey, seen daylight for the first time. I think in probably 23, 23 years. Yeah. Yeah, and no offence, but it did smell like it. It did smell like it had been in the loft for twenty three years. I understand. If everything had gone to plan, Larry Warbass and Connor Dunn would have been riding the Tour of Britain right now in the colours of Irish-based pro team Aqua Blue sport. 
But barely days before the start, Aqua Blue's owner first announced it would be folding next year and then that it was pulling out of all scheduled races this season as well. Or faced with such dispiriting employment news, Larry and Connor decided to follow the notorious advice of Tory politician Norman Tebbit. They got on their bikes and they've gone for a ride. Specifically, they're on a hardcore bikepacking route around Europe they've called the No-Go Tour. Larry explained their thinking. You know, the whole year we've been talking, oh, it'd be nice to do, you know, a tour or some long ride and do a little bit of bikepacking, stuff like that. But, you know, it was like hard to really find a time because when you're a professional cyclist, it's like, you know, you go to race, you come back, you're not home very long, you go to another race, you go to a training camp, you know, and you're always in and out. And then, you know, we also have such specific training and everything that sometimes it's hard to have a free moment where you can actually do just a long ride where, you know, there's not some specific goal or, you know, you're not recovering or something like that. So we were like, oh, maybe we can just do, you know, something uh, like before Tour of Britain or after Tour of Britain, uh, like where we would do just even just a two-day thing where we rode somewhere far away, stayed in a ho- hotel or something, uh, and then rode back the next day. And so then, you know, this whole thing happened on Monday. You know, we had been both training really hard and getting ready for Tour of Britain, and that was kind of our big goal. Tuesday, we found out we weren't doing Tour Britain. And so that was sort of like the double blow. Uh, and, and that really, really crushed the both of us because that was really sort of like the highlight of uh, the second part of our year. And you know, that was really what we were both looking forward to. And so we were both pretty down and we went for this ride and we were just kind of like, oh, gosh, like, uh, what are we going to do? I don't know. We were just talking and going on. And, you know, we were both I would say, you know, a little bit depressed uh, just because, you know, we I guess we had no clue what we we're going to do sort of with our future and everything. And Connor's like, well, you know what? He's like, maybe this will just give us a chance to go for this bike tour that we wanted to do. <laughs> He's like, I mean, shit, we have literally nothing else to do. Uh, why don't we just go ride our bikes? And I was like, actually, that's a pretty good idea because, you know, it's way too early to stop the season now. Uh, it's like, you know, if you stop riding right now, you have to start training at the end of September again. And it's like, it's better to maybe take October off or, you know, second half of October and early November. And and the other thing is he's definitely doing the worlds and I'd like to do the worlds. I don't know if I'll be selected, but he needs to train for worlds. And so we just thought, well, you know, doing this, uh, big ride actually, would fit really well into our seasons uh, just because it'd be, you know, I guess a big training load while really enjoying ourselves and having fun. And at the same time, you know, it's like both of us are looking for a contract now and it's probably one of the most stressful things uh, you can do. And the most helpful thing in that situation is having something to take your mind off of sort of the dire situation you're in. So what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Well, actually, we don't really have <laughs> we don't really have a destination totally in mind yet. And so I guess that kind of goes along with the whole thing is like, you know, we're trying to find out what we're going to do with our futures. And we don't even know where we're going to be the next day in this bike tour. We want to hit just like some really big climbs around Europe and we want to go pretty far. And so we started looking and we realized like, wow. Like 
in a few days, you can get really far on a bike. <laughs> we were just thinking about maybe some climbs we'd want to hit. And uh, then we haven't actually really set it out yet. So maybe we'll decide where to go the first day. And then from there, just kind of like wing it. Um, so we were thinking of maybe trying to hit some of the highest passes in Europe. So I think on the way back, we're going to try to come back over Bonnet just because it'd be kind of cool. Like that would be, you know, the highest paved road in Europe. And then pretty much once you get to the top, it's like all downhill to Nice. So uh, that would be, you know, kind of like a cool finish. So we were thinking we might finish coming back over Bonnet. But until then, we're just going to kind of like freestyle wing it. And uh, another place Connor was thinking was in Aosta, there's uh, the highest like the highest paved road in Italy or something. Is that the Stelvio or? No, no, it's not actually Stelvio. Uh, there's, there's a one way, like Stelvio might be the highest pass, but then there's a one way, um, like dead end road that goes to like over 3000 meters. I think we were thinking maybe going there. And then, you know, actually the other thing he just suggested to me today is like, maybe we'll open it up to, uh, uh, social media and just see where people think we should go and maybe just take some people's suggestions. So is this actually going to be a tour as most people would know it or are you going to be really training flat out and hard? Well, I think it's going to be pretty hard just to ride up these big passes with like an extra, I don't even know what our bikes will weigh with all the packs on them. You know, it's like, say we have an extra 10 to 20 kilos of gear. I mean, no matter what you do, like that's not going to be easy to get up these steep roads and stuff. So, you know, we're not going to be like going out and smashing ourselves and, and maybe, you know, maybe if we just get a bit competitive, like maybe sometimes we'll push on. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not like we're going to be going out and doing intervals. I don't think, yeah, we're just going to go and really just enjoy the ride. That's, that's, I think the, the most important part. Uh, you talked about the Tour of Britain being an important, you know, target for your season. I guess one of the other things about the Tour of Britain and the Vuelta, I guess, as well, is that they're kind of shop windows for riders, for teams for next year, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of why it was like, a really devastating blow when we got taken out of it because uh, I think both of us were coming into really good form. And, you know, I know personally, I think I'm coming into my best form of the season. You know, that's, that's definitely a shame because uh, it's nice to be able to show yourself on the biggest stage. And I definitely think we had a chance to make a big impact on the race, uh, especially, you know, Connor, it was like another chance to show himself in his Irish champs Jersey and, you only have a, well, hopefully you get more, but you only have a calendar year to uh, really show yourself in that jersey, right? So um, it's just really kind of a shame uh, that he loses another opportunity to, you know, get out there and in the media with his jersey and, yeah, race in front of almost like home fans. So that's really tough, you know, and his family would have all been there to see the race. And so, you know, that's like, that's another thing is just, you know, it's a shame because yeah, we were both working really hard and I think we would have both showed ourselves really well to, uh, you know, any prospective teams. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that's a, that's, that's a big shame. Um, and we just thought, you know what, like we'll try to make the most of this situation and, uh, yeah, do our own tour. I know a couple of years ago, you wrote a piece for the ruler website, uh, where you talked about kind of the pressure that went with trying to find another contract for the next season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that was sort of like one of the big shames because uh, it was 
I had a, a long-term contract and it was the first really long-term contract that I've signed in cycling. And so it was nice to finally have, you know, some security and, uh, yeah, like, you know, a good salary and everything like that. And so, so that was like, you know, tough to lose that unexpectedly. Um, and yeah, then it just shows sort of like the instability of our sport and, you know, no matter how safe you think you are, uh, I think in this day and age in cycling, uh, no one's safe. So, uh, it's tough. Uh, and I just think, you know, it's kind of come to be unfortunately just, uh, yeah, recurring thing in this sport. Are you optimistic though about, um, you know, the rest of this year and, and, and next season in particular? Um, well, I mean, the rest of this year, uh, that's, the, I mean, I think, you know, I don't think I'm going to really have a chance to race, which that's a shame. Uh, I mean, I'd love to get selected for worlds. Um, I, I really hope, uh, that I could have a chance for that, but I think the U S only has four spots. So I know that's going to be a very tight selection regarding next year. I, 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 I'm, I'm hopeful, but, uh, you know, you can never be too sure until you have something on paper. So, yeah, I really hope I'll be able to find something. I'm lucky that I had such a great season last year and that I, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think I have a good name in, in the Peloton, uh, in terms of being a strong rider and, you know, good and getting the breakaway and a good helper. So I really hope, uh, I'll be able to find a contract somewhere. The problem is just that, you know, this is like really late in the season. And, uh, I know next year there are a lot of pro teams that are getting smaller and smaller. You know, it's like, I know, you know, some teams are going from 30 to 25 riders next year. And, uh, when you lose that many jobs, it's like, it's really tough. Cause I, I think people teams this year, they didn't know how it was going to be with the smaller team sizes in races, you know, going from eight to seven and nine to eight in the grand tours. Um, and I think that made a lot of teams realize like, Oh, maybe we actually don't need as many riders as we have at the moment. So, so teams are getting smaller and, uh, you know, if this would have happened a few weeks before, I think it would have been easier, but yeah, spots are filling up every day. So, um, I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful, uh, but yeah, you never know until, uh, until something's, uh, pens to the paper, right? Well, listen, Larry, uh, good luck with your, uh, tour of Europe. Um, good luck for the rest of the season uh, in whatever form it comes and uh, best wishes to you and Connor for, ne for next season as well. Thank you. And you can follow Larry and Connor's progress on the Ruler website and on social media with the hashtag NoGoTour. Keep listening for the return of a cycling legend. So one significant personality has been missing from the peloton and from the headlines for the past uh, two years since the unfortunate demise of Flemish Fishflans of Flanders in unexplained circumstances in 2016. But I'm delighted to say that he's back and promising a new team and new sponsors for 2019. I'm talking, of course, of Kenny Van Flamink, who joins us on the Ruler podcast. Uh, Kenny, where have you been for the last two years? I've been... Doing many things, exploring uh, the inside of my mind more often than uh, I have had the opportunity to do so before because also I've been fighting a big uh, legal battle because uh, several people uh, have been poisoned by Flemish Fleet fans of Flanders uh, and the, the factory is closing and the sponsorship is, is not happening anymore. Uh, and so a lot of legal 
his shoes they've faced. Ah, it's been tough. But you are still involved in pro cycling, aren't you? I mean, it's, it's been two years since you've been anywhere near a team, really, but um, you are still involved in pro cycling, aren't you? Yeah, top bunk, uh, the greeting cards, some manufacturers who do not make greeting cards, they send emails with greetings upon them and uh, also decorated with the pictures of vehicles or hearts, uh, sometimes puppies, flowers, anything that you can place inside a greeting card online. They have been a very loyal uh, sponsor for, uh, for the team for the last uh, four or five years. Uh, important. They are staying uh, on board. We do not get any finance from them, but they have big words to place on the jersey, so it looks nice, which is a big honor for us. So Top Punk is still involved with the team. Um, and over the last two years, well, a year and a half since the, the problems with Flemish with Flanders of Flanders, I have two new sponsors uh, to fund the team in 2019, which for me is beautiful because you know I basically love cycling. I think that I am actually cycling sometimes, most of the time, uh, all of the time, in fact. Can you tell us who your other sponsors are yet? It is embargoed, uh, but I will tell you them anyway, um, because I own the team. Uh, and sometimes embargoes, I, they, uh, they're a big problem. They get in the way a lot of the time. Um, and also, I still need to have a bicycle manufacturer for 2019. It's another small problem that I've faced on a regular occasions through the, through the years. So you don't actually have... Bicycles still, for the team. Uh, still we uh, are not having bicycles for the team. So uh, I have uh, utilized different technologies to prepare the riders for 2019 season. As you know uh, from previous conversations, we are using a lot of running and a lot of uh, digging for the preparation. But now we're using virtual reality. Um, so you place the rider inside a cycle race virtually with the, with the things on the head. But they are not pedaling, but they can see the legs are actually pedaling. So it tricks the mind to believe they are training. It is not working too well, but uh, I think we could see some progress shortly on this. Early days, I imagine. Yeah, it's early days. Uh, but I think uh, using the virtual reality spectacles whilst walking uh, near the canal uh, should uh, make, make sure that we are in reasonable condition for the season. But uh, yeah, I'm still talking to... Uh, Actually, I'm not talking to any bicycle manufacturers at the moment because none of them are talking to me. You still haven't told us who the sponsors are. Though. Yeah, well, we have the Top Punk. As all, they're staying as the main, the main sponsor of the team. But they're uh, not giving you any money? No, they are just placing the big words on the jersey to fill the space, which is nice. We have a new uh, sponsor, SOS. SOS, the science of shoes. Making small people a little bit like tall people. This is the logo of, of the manufacturer. Basically, we are taking the science of shoes and making small cyclists a little bit taller cyclists on a bicycle and also walking in normal circumstances as well with normal shoes. Is this a Flandrian brand? It is a Flandrian brand. They have been around for a couple of years, but they're looking at moving into the cycling industry. They have made a lot of normal-sized people slightly taller successfully for the last few years in normal situations in the workplace, also supermarkets and also uh, canals, and also in the schools. So very, very short children are stunted in their growth, which is very sad. The parents are using science of, of shoes to make their children slightly taller, so they're knitting all the problems inside the schools. Also, many basketball teams are utilizing the science of shoes. So the next 
logical step for the sponsors is to move into cycling to make cyclists slightly taller than they were before. And for the first time, you've got a nutritional sponsor for the team. Well, it's for the second time because we had Flemish Fleece of Flanders, which are very, very nutritional until they poison several people. But this time we have Patrick's Peace. Uh, they are actually replacing Peter's Pipes. Peter's, Peter's Pipes were no longer making pipes of a quality that you could install in your home. They had a big problem with the illegals as well. So Patrick's Peace are going to be on the back of the jersey. And I have a little uh, advertising slogan to read for you, which is part of my contract. More green than normal peas and 95% natural. Peas, the family treats any time of the day. Contractual obligations there, which was, I guess, a part of the whole sponsorship and being a professional. Yeah, you know, it's all about being a professional. I've been a professional for many, many years running the teams. We have a big level. We've achieved a very big level in the sport, a lot of respect. And I need to apply this respect to the sponsors. And it's even more important when they're speaking the truth because... Peace. I mean, you can eat them any single time of the day. There's some really good young riders, some really good young stagiaires coming through uh, over the past uh, year or so. Do you have your eyes on any of them? No, I go for the cheaper older riders all the time because they cost less euros. Yeah, I have uh, many, many riders who uh, have been very average in their careers. And then once their career is plateaued and essentially fallen off a cliff that is when I make the cheap signings and for me it has been good I said that you hadn't really been sort of in the headlines much uh, we haven't seen you uh, around the peloton uh, the only the only headlines was when the Flemish Flange of Flanders was sued for several million euros and I was indicted amongst that but apart from that no but what we have seen is another side to you we've seen some of your poetry online uh, is that uh, a new thing for you or have you always been a poet I, I think I was born born a poet this is, I think this is true because of the natural way in which words are emitting from my mouth. Um, and these words I then place upon paper. Sometimes, straight away, they go inside the computer and I am giving them to people at the low cost. Actually, no euros. Nobody pays me because it is a gift from me to them. And then the gift they give to me is the fact that they have heard and absorbed the words and are giving me nice words back. So yes, I've made uh, maybe 20, 25 poems. Also, I'm working on songs. Also, I'm painting. Well, I'm not painting, actually, but I'm thinking about painting. And some of these paintings will be very, very average uh, to potentially good. So once I uh, start painting, I think they will be nice also. But yes, I can read you uh, one or two poems if you wish. That would be great. That would be, I think, all the listeners would appreciate that. Uh, thank you. Ian, I am uh, going to give you a poem that I wrote uh, just uh, towards the end of the Tour de France. The bigger, uh, well, the medium-sized race inside France. Uh, it is the, yeah, the second biggest Grand Tour after the Tour of Belgium. And uh, the guy that is uh, leading and then ultimately winning the race, uh, Geraint Thomas. And I have a poem for Geraint Thomas. It is called a poem for G. From Wales, the smallest UK island, where cycling was actually banned until 1972 because of rugby, from the asphalt to the velodrome, then to the asphalt again. Where, like a yellow dragon, you breathe a fire fueled with the intensity of a long apprenticeship. That's remarkable, Kenny. Thanks for sharing that. And, uh, and welcome back. We've missed you. Thank you very much. Negotiations are underway, which should see Kenny Van Flamink sharing his knowledge, his racing experience and his poetry regularly on the Ruler podcast. And Kenny will be unveiling his new team kit and much more at the Ruler Classic event in London the 1st to the 3rd of November. If that's not enough to tempt you, there'll also be Eddie Merckx, Pippa York, Sir Bradley Wiggins, Lizzie Deanian, Sean Kelly, Evan Basso, Brian Holm, 
it would be easier to list who isn't going to be there and you definitely should be. Tickets are available on the Rulo website. So, time once again to catch up with Ruler Desire editor Stuart Clatt. Now, uh, Stuart, Cross is coming, or in fact, Cross is already here, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the Cross season started in London um, last weekend. Well, it's a good time, isn't it, to to mi- mix up your bike riding, I think. I've, uh, we do a lot of road riding, and last weekend, although I didn't race, I got out on my cross bike for uh, 50k on a single-speed cross bike, which was hideous. Not too bad while I was doing it, but afterwards I had the worst doms I've ever had. I'm still recovering. It feels like I've got flu, but flu of the legs. So any uh, interesting autumn or winter kit coming in? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we've actually just shot the next issue, which is our cyclocross issue, which is actually it's always, always quite fun. But a couple of bits came in for that that I've held on to that I've been really, really impressed with. The ASOS Millie, Millie, Millie. We haven't had a lot of Assos in, and I, I don't, I don't really know why. It hasn't been anything against Assos. I think it was just, ah, oh, you know what? I should get some in for this. I saw it, and I call, you know, we call the kit in, and it's, it's quite nice to get a closer look at stuff. And I've been really impressed. I mean, it's, it's, and it's not Assos money. It's not, it's not silly money. It's really, really cool kit. And um, I've actually ridden in it a couple of times since, and. Quality so good. I know it's like this a cliche, and you ask anyone who rides an Asos kit, they go, "Oh, I won't ride in any other shorts other than these Asos ones." But the 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 quality of, of the chamois and everything in them is is really 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 good. Uh, but I one they are very Swiss with their their cut. The shorts are quite short, and the some of the socks they haven't quite subscribed to that long short thing and long socks. Um, some of the other kits has come out. The Chapter 3, their new uh, Vuelta Data uh, kit is out now, the, the jersey, which um, they, they they sent. In fact, we, we weren't supposed to run it, but we took pictures of Miller in the issue that we did with him and Christian Mayer out in Girona, and we shot it with the Vuelta kit on way before it was announced. So people were going, what's this kit? Where, where can I get this Chapter 3 kit? It's like, Oh uh, yeah, because it's only because we we sort of put it in a little bit too early, but um, it's there anyway. So yeah, I've been riding in that. That's quite a nice jersey. That's quite a traditional sort of um, you know, aero isn't everything. Now earlier we heard uh, Kenny Van Vlamink's uh, views on nutrition and food for his riders. Would you like to hear some sensible views from Brian Holm? Uh, yeah, because I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily go on on anything Kenny says. Um, although I'm a huge fan of Kenny's ever since he got that top 20 in the tour of Morocco prologue, um, that was quite an impressive result for Kenny. Um, but I wouldn't go dietary advice. I think Brian's going to have a better idea. Nowadays, everybody have cooks, chef with them. We have uh, trucks, but it didn't change a lot. My generation, you would say like, uh, you eat chicken, pasta, and yogurt. That's what you need. I remember Sean Kelly say, telling me, 86, cyclists don't eat ice cream. I didn't eat, I, I didn't eat ice cream for 14 years. I think, well, why did he tell me that? Because 
but just some rules and cycling, and it's more or less like the same still. I mean, it's strange enough as one long diet being pro, it's about being hungry. You're learning, you can eat everything just a half when you're home. You can eat a cookie, but you don't have to eat the whole package. Just control it. I think nowadays, when we have all the chefs with us, the cooks with us at the race, of course, they make good food. But it's also because we want, when the dinner is like 7.30, it has to be ready at 7.30. In the past, when there was no cooks from the teams, you could wait for the food one hour. Nowadays, they go to the table, exactly, the food is standing there, and they go to bed to rest. But the whole food thing, uh, in the past, we'll have a steak in the morning, get up four o'clock in the morning, in the past, eat a steak. I don't know who invented that <laughs> that thing. I remember we saw that uh, film of uh, Jürgen Lett, was called about Paris-Roubaix. You see Roger de Flaming eating steak in the morning. I mean, we did it for like 20 years, and then we realized that was wrong. And of course, that's changing. So now it's more like pasta. Of course, like when they're warming up, you know better now when you're going to eat what or what. Uh, getting to the finish, uh, our doctors, they prefer some recovery food. So on that level, of course, everything is getting much, much better. Uh, I even think riders is even more skinny today than my generation. No doubt they eat better, they're much, much better trained, and they're just so much smarter today, everything they're doing. They would know when to warm up, get on the home trainers, the rollers, 15 minutes before, they say they stop 15 minutes before they're getting to the start, maybe a little bit of home uh, home trainers, and then they know exactly at the finish line what they have to eat, what and then. So uh, on that level, is of course, it moves forwards. But the basic thing with the uh, chicken, rice and yogurt, probably the same. And that's it from this Ruler podcast. Thanks for listening. Probably not the best uh, food for cyclists, though, are they? Yeah, but you can put them in your pocket and you can place them in your mouth in very, very small micro increments. So you can get a good nutritional output for the vast majority of the, the race that you are uh, training for inside. <laughs> <laughs>